Suzanne Smith is my guest today, and she's a colleague, she's a friend, and she also has street cred. By street cred, I mean that she's been a couples counselor for 15 years, and she's been married for 25 years. She's been in the grind in regards to parenting. She has two adult kids, and now she is still happily married. The first question I got for her is, how can you have young kids and not kill each other? Check it out. Welcome to the Healthy Relationship Secrets for Parents podcast, the podcast that helps you have a great relationship while being amazing parents at the same time. My name is Jason A. Polk, and I've been a couples therapist for over nine years. And this podcast is to help you as well as help myself, as I'm also a parent who's married and we have two young daughters. Back to the question at hand, how can you two, as parents in a relationship with young kids, not metaphorically speaking, kill each other? And I wish in my marriage that I would have Mm -hmm. known what I know now. Mm-hmm. You know, I um, was just starting grad school when I had my first child. Okay. And, you know, and I didn't understand, you know, that uh, marriage was a cooperative endeavor. I just thought it was sexy and, you know, you have this kind of ideal, idealized version of marriage mm-hmm. in your head. And, you know, oh, it's sexy. It's someone who I can, you know, have fun with. And then, and then life hits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you get in there and yeah. you're like, wait a minute, we have to talk about money? Oh. What? We have to talk about, you know, who's going to change this diaper, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that kind of thing. And that's not something that I even thought about when, yeah. when, when I went into it. I was very lucky that, that my husband actually came from a family of nine. Oh, wow. And so he was really used to having a lot of kids around, whereas where with me, it was just my, my brother and myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he was great with babies, and I feel like mm-hmm. that was... A luck thing on my part. Oh, wow. He was just fantastic yeah. with the kids. And so uh, I got very lucky. Um, if that is not the case uh, for for parents, and I think, you know, usually that's not the case where, mm-hmm. you know, one parent is just really stellar and comes naturally. <clears throat> I think we're, we're learning together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to your point, we have to really never forget the us in this equation. Mm-hmm. You know, because we have all kinds of stuff that when we bring a child into the world that life just slings in our direction. We've got all kinds of events, you know, we've got, you know, their development, we've got, are do they have enough friends? What birthday party are we carting them off to? There's just so much, so many Mm -hmm. things for school. And it's so easy when we're at a baseball game until 9 p.m. or a recital that lasts for four hours, you know, it's like we've, it's so easy to forget mm-hmm. um, the us. Yeah. It's e- And I see so many parents doing that. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to lie. I did that. Yeah. I did that. We did that. And, you know, this is a practice that should come as early as possible, uh, in my opinion, yeah. in the relationship. There you have it. Remembering the us. So the next question how do we practice remembering the us? It's, I think it's done through intention, mm-hmm. behavior, and ritual. Mm-hmm. So you have to set the intention of like, we need to connect. Mm-hmm. Our transition and attachment needs are no different mm-hmm. than the transition and, t- and attachment needs of our children. Mm-hmm. All we are is oversized children. Um, and we, you know, we need transition 
um, each other to bed, just like a child needs to be put to bed. We need to say a proper good night. We just can't just kind of disappear and do an Irish goodbye and go to bed <laughs> without really, you know, <laughs> that doesn't yeah. work over time. Yeah. It might work for a few nights, but this is what builds resentment. Mm -hmm. So the intention has to be set. We have to decide to do it. Yeah. And then the behavior, love is an action. Yeah. We have to behave in a way. It's great to set the intention, but the intention, the intention alone will not carry this yeah, whole thing out. Sure. We have to behave in a way that, okay, we've got to give each other a proper greeting, a proper goodbye. We have to make sure that we're spending, even if it's just five minutes on those busy weeknights, connecting just us. And five minutes isn't that long. I know it feels cumbersome to a lot of busy parents, yeah. but we have to behave in a way that we want to connect daily. And then I think um, the behavior is really grounded in ritual. Do mm. we have a ritual every night of um, putting each other to bed? Do we, you know, um, do we have a ritual of, you know, for some people it's having a, a cup of tea after dinner and sitting with each other or sitting, um, you know, on the couch and just saying, I'm flipping exhausted. Do we have something that we can call our own. I want to highlight something Suzanne said. Essentially, she said, if we don't take time to connect, it can start to build resentment. She also said, as adults, we have attachment needs and we can't ignore our partner just as we can't ignore our kids. A common objection we hear to making time for practicing to us is that we don't have time. What does Suzanne say to that? I hear this all the time. Uh, parents of various ages and life stages with their kids. Uh, we don't have time for this. I'm like, you know, th this feels like, wow, another thing to do. And I'm like, and that's unfortunately what makes this all the more important. Mm. If you don't yeah. have time, you, you got to make time. Yeah. And again, people might find that if they feel truly connected to their partner, it might not take a lot of time. We don't have mm. to spend four hours a day together. Yeah. That's, that's not practical. So what can we do? Yeah. How can we have expa an expansive viewpoint versus a constrictive viewpoint mm. on the us in this equation? What about the objection of why do I have to do all this work? If we lo love each other, it should just happen. Or we've been together for a while. They should know my wants and needs already. Most people... Um, kind of regardless of attachment style, yeah. um, you know, how wonderfully we were raised or, or not, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people um, go in with a little bit of a sense of entitlement. Oh, that it's like, oh, this is just going to come. And now that we're married or, or partnered and committed, yeah. um, we don't have to try as much anymore. And it's like, oh my gosh, no, limerence is over. Uh -huh. We are, we're, the dopamine phase <laughs> is over. You know, um, we're, we've settled into a quiet love and it's actually going to be harder to make this sexier now. Hmm. And so, um, that is that that entitlement of like now it should all be easy i think is the very thing that gets people in trouble and people mm. might not state it in the way that you stated it earlier but um from an attitude perspective i do see that a lot and honestly i always talk from a place of guilt mm. i had that myself yeah. yeah like oh okay now i don't have to you know 
blah, 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 do, do the work. I can just rest. Yeah. And unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. You know? Now, this doesn't mean that a person has to be someone other than, than who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, you know, like an authentic thing that I want people to do. You know, do, do this um, in a way that, that doesn't feel like you're being fake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. You know, this is, you know, low price tag stuff mm-hmm. to do. Putting mm-hmm. in a little effort, spending a little time loving each other in each other's mm-hmm. love language. That's yeah. super hard for couples. Yeah. And that, that, you know, theme of that is, pardon me, how do I tune in to my partner and love him or her in the way mm-hmm. they need that yeah. makes them feel loved? For sure. For so, sure. Yeah. That, that's really good. I asked Suzanne a question that can really only be answered on a case-by-case basis. But that question is, what about accepting who my partner is versus requesting them to do or not do something that I like? Who and those things I think collide mm. frequently. Yeah. Because when we, we go about getting our needs <clears throat> met and our partner might have that part to him or her that feels like it's kind of like unchangeable. Mm. You know, that really creates a rift. And, you know, I I think, number one, we can always sweeten the pot by saying, you know, something like, what what can I do Mm. to um, ask you to do this for me? We can always, I always want to start in at a low Mm -hmm. level. People don't start in at the low level, but they just wait and they, they kind of hold it in for too long. And then they're like, they explode. They're like, yeah. you, bah, you know, and yeah. then, and then it's like, whoa, we caused damage at that. Point. You know, uh, uh, so many things are coming up for me. Like yeah. I think about like power differentials. I think about mm-hmm. like, you know, um, people's level of sociability. I think about the willingness to accept influence from each other. Totally. You know, it's like, it, which plays into power. Yeah. You know, I mean, honestly, I'm of the belief that the couple has to have equal power. Yeah. And if there's any kind of um, power differential, it really does set this up in, in a, a way that, that makes it more challenging. Yeah. And so if power is shared, you know, mm-hmm. and we're looking at the ideal, hopefully, the hope would be that number one, partner number one who's upset would be able to say, you know, that hurts me. Mm-hmm. Um, would you mind? And, and being really self-led in the process mm-hmm. of asking, could we try this being mm-hmm. collaborative in the process of asking? Cause this is hurting me, this behavior. Yeah. And um, so it's not about finger pointing. It's about like, you know, this, this part of our relationship is very painful for me. And so can we, can we work on this? Because I, I really would like for this to feel lighter going in that self-leadership way, mm. which I think means <clears throat> being able to be a good self-advocate yeah. and also getting in there early. Okay. You know, it's like, yeah. okay, this is going to be, um, this is going to be difficult. And then partner number two, who is listening, you know, and again, assuming that power is shared, they would actually take that in. Mm. hopefully and be mm. like yeah oh my gosh you know um let, let me let, let's figure this out now often it doesn't play out that way i think the approach is very important yes, yes. um 
I really do. And mm -hmm. you know, if we go in with guns ablazing, <laughs> we are we're going to shoot ourselves in the foot. Yeah. And I, I again, I say that from a place of having done that. Yeah. You know, and yeah. um, so the approach is really important. Yeah, you know, sure. we want to be like solid. Have mm -hmm. you know, like this? This really is something that I would like to have be different. Mm -hmm. um, and then it becomes a process of negotiating, mm -hmm. and then hopefully. Again, partner B would have that that spirit of openness, um, and a lot of times that does take some finagling through the years. Mm -hmm. um, but I do believe, and maybe this is um, Pollyanna-ish belief, but I believe most people can learn this. How did you learn to be softer in your approach? Mm. If you don't mind sharing, from so many mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> and, you know, um, being, blah, 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 you know, quick on my feet and having things come out of my mouth that it's like, I can't, I can't take that back now. It's out there. Oh, yeah. And so I learned a, lo a lot of this the hard way. Hmm. It's like, that is, all you're doing is discrediting yourself and you're not going to get what you, you want because your partner is not going to, they're going to be so off put by the approach that they're not, they're not going to want to do that, you know? And <laughs> even so, if it is a good idea. <laughs> even if it's a, the most brilliant idea in the whole world. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, the approach is mm. everything. Um, and I think a lot of people spend a whole lifetime trying mm. to figure that out. Mm. And they're, you know, um, some people, you know, never develop the willingness to do that. They just keep doing it. And unfortunately, it just yields very negative returns, um, you know, and so I, I've learned myself like so softened, <laughs> softened startup, yeah. Yeah. go in uh, when the price tag is a little bit low, you know, voice concerns, you know, pick which hill you're going to die on. <laughs> that that <laughs> takes great discernment, um, yeah. you know, and, and yeah, and so the approach makes a lot of difference. Yeah. And then again, of course, the openness of the other person, For sure. um, you know, that also makes a difference. Mm -hmm. And I think those are kind of fundamental pieces that we as couples counselors work on. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, you shared a lot of, you know, work and I think that's a good point, you know, to be in a healthy relationship, to some degree, we have to be relational material mm -hmm. you know for example like when I was in my 20s I had that entitlement sort of like grandiosity mm -hmm. plus I was doing a lot of drugs and drinking mm -hmm. like and I wanted to be in relationship but I wasn't relationship material and that's part of being in relationship is being aware of our negative habits and patterns and then working on them for us to show up in a way where we're more likely to get what we want. In this next segment, Suzanne talks about inner child work and her journey with it. And it's really cool and can be super helpful for your relationship. And I think a big part of that that I have learned and I'm still learning as mm -hmm. an almost 55 year old woman mm -hmm. is how do I care for myself properly oh. so I can can do this in a way that's going to serve me. So it's like, you know, if I have this really angry, angry part of myself that just wants to unleash on someone yeah. um, or on my partner, how do I care for that part? 
um, in a way that's like, okay, I'm going to speak for you, but not f- you, I'm not going to let you run the show. And sweetheart, I'm going to sit here with my arm around you because mm-hmm. I know you're so angry. And um, I want us to get what we want. So we, mm-hmm. I'm going to approach differently. That's that righteous cool. anger is a big thing. Yeah. And it's got quite a pull to it. Um, and it often doesn't yield positive results. Mm-hmm. What you know? Who who wants to have someone just completely go off on them? Yeah, it feels even, horrible. Yeah, totally. Even if you know what the content of what you're upset about is totally valid. Exactly. Right? Yes. Like that's that's really important. So feel free to you know pass on this. Some of what you do is to take a moment or two and have that conversation with that younger you. Yeah, exactly. That's really cool. The one that's hurt, the one that, that's hurt, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Try to. Yeah, You totally. know, like, I got you. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And that's what I do when I'm deep into my withdrawal. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same thing. Hey, you know, little Jason, I see you. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I love you. But you know what? I can work with Jess. You don't have to, right? Like this is, I try to do that with my kids, you know, trying to stay in the functional adult mind state Mm -hmm. because if they're doing, if my, if our daughter Josie, I love her, she's in the middle of a tantrum. My initial knee jerk reaction is to kind of go like push back, Mm -hmm. right? Okay. Power struggle. Let's do a power struggle. Bring it. (laughs) Exactly. But, it's, it's, not, it's not helping anyone. Absolutely. And so being able to have that conversation is like, whoa, okay, slow down, Jason. Yeah. You know, being an adult here. Absolutely. Because you are the adult. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And we can have that conversation very softly with yeah, our yeah, wise or totally. functional adult. Yeah. You know, we, we can, we can you know, or with our adaptive child. I mean, the mm-hmm. child in, in us that's yeah. trying to tantrum. You know, we, we can talk to them. We can soothe them in a very gentle way mm-hmm. so it's not scolding. So we're not yeah, perpetuating yeah, totally. the, the pattern that maybe uh, we had in our family of origin. Because totally. this is legacy work. Yeah. I don't think people realize this when, mm. when they're doing couples work. It's legacy work. Mm. They're trying to change the paradigm. Yeah. And because, you know, the intimate relationship acts as a mirror to a lot of our family of origin stuff. And that that angry child on the inside, um, it's really hard to do, and very necessary because we don't have to do things the way we used to, to get through to survive. Mm-hmm. You know, um, painful experiences when we were younger. We can do this differently, and it does take work. It does take intention, um, and I think that again we set ourselves up in a good way when we really know how to care for ourselves. Whatever that means for people. I'm not talking yeah, like totally. massages. Those are great. <laughs> yeah, pedicures, yeah, yeah. whatever. Totally. Uh, or, you know, going out for a run. That's great. That that I'm talking about relational self-care. And it's easier said than done. Yeah. And, and again, I don't, um, <clears throat> I don't regret making mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, do regret some of the, you know, some things that came out of my mouth. Totally. Um, and I also value the learning in it. Because it made me better. Yeah, like, okay, totally. I need to, I need to figure, do this differently. Yeah. And well, so, yeah. What a better place to work with your stuff 
right, <gasps> than with a relationship and kids. <laughs> oh my gosh, no kidding. No kidding. It's so true. Yeah. Yeah. And, and all of your, it's funny how all of your, your failings or your, your perceived failings about yourself get mirrored back to you in the relationship with your significant other yeah. and also in your relationship with your kids. Totally. It's amazing how that yeah, happens. And totally. so it's really hard. And that makes this relational self-care mm. so important. Yeah. You know, sure. being able to self-advocate, being able to, okay, I'm going to, I'm just going to take a few minutes to, you know, get my nervous system, my system calm. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to speak up early. Mm. You know, that is relational self-care as I yeah, see it. Yeah, totally. Speaking up early. That's so important. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so important. So just a reminder that cultivating a healthy relationship with our partner and with ourselves is legacy work. We are writing a new legacy for ourselves and for our family. I wanted to break this talk up because next week I'm going to release a brief snippet of the end of our talk where Suzanne talks about time management, particularly the question, and this comes up a lot in my practice, of partner A had just gotten back from a work trip and it's not like work trips can be relaxing. It's not like leisure. They may be exhausted. Partner B has been home the whole time with the kids. The question is, who gets to rest first? Check out next week. And thank you so much for listening.